Shavua Tov, everybody. I hope you have a one had a wonderful Shabbos and are having a wonderful Rosh Chodesh and a happy Hanukkah. This is being recorded right after Shabbos is over on the seventh night, seventh candle of Hanukkah, fifty-seven eighty-three. And I want to talk to you about the connection between the parsha that we just read today and that we're breathlessly pausing in the middle of, so to speak, till next week when when the Denouement, where the total resolution of this tremendous tension of the Yosef being sold away and then rising as the viceroy of Egypt and the brothers not knowing and being confounded by the challenge that they have, trying to prove that they're, that they're not spies and trying to negotiate between them and between Yaakov. They have to bring their brother Benjamin down. And Yosef says, all I want is Benjamin. You guys go back and be happy, which of course they can't be. And we know that... Yehuda has guaranteed. Anyway, there's, uh, how do we connect all that to Hanukkah? And is there a connection? Of course there is. Um, <clears throat> but I want to start by looking at the Elanisim. And the Elanisim, we talk about the miracles, and we talk about the many in the hand of the few, and the uh, strong in the hand of the weak. That part we see is miraculous. But when we say the uh, pure one over the impure, or the uh, evil people given over in the hands of the righteous, or the deniers of the Torah in the hands of those who are involved in the Torah, that's not miraculous. There's nothing natural to expect that an evil person will win, and therefore it's a miracle when the righteous person won, or that a, that a defiled person is going to win over a pure person. Why do we mention that as some kind of a major aspect of Hanukkah? We're thanking God for that. Obviously, we're happy the good guys won. But why is that considered to be miraculous? And the answer must be that the reason that they won is because they were righteous. The reason that they won is because they were pure. The reason that they won is because they were oskim b'torah immersed in uh, commitment to your Torah. And therefore, we're thanking God for the fact that they were able to be pure enough to, devo- to deserve divine intervention. Now, where does that come from, this devotion? Because after all, it really was irrational because the Greek empire was overwhelmingly powerful physically and intellectually in terms of lifestyle and culture. It was overwhelming. And they weren't threatening our lives. They were actually respectfully allowing the Basemictus to continue to exist. Of course, they were contaminating it for sure. But they were actually trying to coexist with the, with the Jews. And it was very enticing. So what would have this small band of Hashemunayim take on a suicide mission to fight uh, both the Jewish traitors and the Greeks themselves. And the answer has to do with what happened here in the Parsha. It's really amazing. When they are stuck having to go back to Egypt and they've got to bring Binyamin, otherwise they can't get food. Yaakov says, no, I'm not sending Binyamin. I'm I'm not going to lose him after I lost Yosef. And Ruben says, all right, I'll guarantee him. You'll kill two of my kids if I don't bring back Binyamin which is his way of saying, I'm, I'm going to go to the mat for him. I, I'm, giving every, I'm, I'm giving every guarantee possible, humanly possible. I am as serious as can be. I'm even willing to utter the words, two of my children you'll kill. Of course you won't, Yaakov, as a grandfather, but that's how serious I am. Yaakov dismisses that out of hand, and Rashi even says, he, he, he says these are the ruminations of a foolish firstborn. A couple of passages later, Yehuda says, I'll guarantee him. And, he's, and he says, I'm willing to lose even my world to come. 
way Rashi explains the uh, interpretation of a pasuk. I'm willing to lose even my will to come. And at this point, Yaakov says, "All right, listen. Situation is different. We've got to, we got to send Binyamin, and um, and if I lose him, I lose him, and uh, I'll, uh, et cetera. It was a great despair, but he agrees to give him, get let Binyamin go down. What changed? And the answer is that the kind of sacrifice that Reuven was expressing is not the same sacrifice that Yehuda was expressing. When Reuven expressed sacrifice, he was simply saying, I'm going to create a situation where I had better go to the mat for my brother Benjamin because I'm saying that my two children's lives are at risk. So therefore, you, Yosef, you Yaakov, should know that I am willing to do anything to guarantee Benjamin's safety. That was wonderful, but that's not what Yaakov is looking for. Yehuda comes along and says, I have no reason to exist if the brothers can't be together. If we're going to trade away Binyamin, if we're going to risk his life, we're going to allow him to be lost, there's no reason for me to exist. I'm willing to give away my eternity because there's no point to it unless we, the tribes of Israel, are together. That already Yaakov understands. Not only understands, that's what he's looking for. Yaakov says, in that case, I know that kind of mysterious nefesh, that kind of sacrifice, that kind of devotion, where your life isn't worth living if you don't have the ideals that you're born for, if you don't stand for what Klai Yisrael is there for, then you're willing to give up your life because it's not worth living under any condition. You're not going to simply try to keep yourself alive no matter what. You're not going to trade away your values. That's what Yehuda said. I'm giving up everything. I'm putting everything on the line because this is, this is what we're here for. So for that, Yaakov is willing to entrust Benjamin to Yehuda to go down to Egypt. And that's the kind of sacrifice that the Hashmanayim had. The Hashmanayim didn't calculate that they'd win. The Hashmanayim said, this is it. We can't live this way. And our lives aren't worth anything. And we probably will die. But I'd rather die fighting for what a Jew is than to live compromising what a Jew is. Because a Jew knows deep down that the reason he exists is to reflect the reality of God in the world and to live for his will. And if one is willing to compromise God's will for one's own convenience, then one has no reason to live. That's the kind of sacrifice of Hanukkah that the Hashemunayim displayed. And that's what Hanukkah is trying to teach us. This is not a simple matter and it's not a light matter, and it's not just something that you, that you just uh, hear and you uh, say, wow, that's really beautiful. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, why are we alive, and are we living for something, or are we simply um, uh, practicing something that, uh, you know, it's nice, but if I can't have it, or if I can't have it in purity, then I'll have it in compromise, because I'm living for convenience, I'm not living for absolute devotion to my creator. These are important questions that Hanukkah asks us to ask. A happy and empowering Hanukkah.